again, this is Shane and this is Heartlines. This is episode 28 and this episode I have a singer-songwriter, awarding musician and he's also a talent native. His name is Keith O'Connell. How are you doing, Keith? How's it going, Shane? Thanks for having us on. Yeah, no problem. Well, me and you go well back uh, because, you know, you knew my brother, you know, my family. Uh, but I want people to know about you. So like tell tell the audience or the listeners about you, Keith. Just, yeah, I grew up with yourself there in Aylesbury. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of got into music at a young age and kind of got obsessed with it, you know. And uh, it's kind of been with me all through my life, you know. It played a big part. But uh, yeah, I'm living in Kilimanjaro now. I've kind of recorded loads of songs and stuff and have loads of songs up on Spotify and iTunes and Google Play and all that sort of stuff. So just gigging away for years as well, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, like, I mean, when you're growing up, okay, uh, were you like influenced with music or were you like shown into a music world? Like I know you do keyboard and pianos. Like did, what age did you start like before playing the piano or keyboard? Yeah, I started when I was seven. Um, do you know the way when you're in school, the last day before Christmas, you're allowed to bring in a toy yeah. into your class. Well, I brought in Sabutio. You know the game where you put down the little football game where you flick the players? Yeah, yeah. Nobody wanted to play that. And there was a fella in the corner called David Ivers, actually from Aylesbury as well. Okay. And he had a little keyboard and he was playing Christmas songs. He had loads of girls around him. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> that's where it all started. So it started just because you want to get more girls. That is, yeah? That's what it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you you went home and and um, you told your mom and dad. You said like, I want to play the piano or the keyboard, and they just got you a keyboard. You went from there. That was it. That Christmas got a keyboard. No turning back. <laughs> and, and did you uh, did, like from from your family? Do you have a musical family, or was it just yourself who, who was into kind of I have, music? I have an uncle that plays guitar. He's in New York. Um, oh. Kind of plays on boat cruises and stuff like that, playing stuff like Neil Diamond and all Irish ballads and stuff. And had a granny that played piano as well on the other side. So there was music in the family growing up, you know. But yeah. uh, once I got that keyboard for Christmas then I started doing uh, keyboard lessons in, uh, do you remember the Tallah Town Centre? It's gone about 25 years now. Do you know if you go down to where Malaya's is in Tallah Village? Oh, I do. Yes, I do. Where where, where all the new apartment on the, on the intersection where the Bank of Ireland is now, is it? Across uh, the, the Bank of Ireland. Um, there's a kind of a road that cuts through. There used to be a garage there, and behind that garage was the Tallah Town Centre. It was all kind of like one shop would have fruit and veg, the next shop would be someone selling jackets or something. And then you'd have the fella that I was going to was doing uh, keyboard lessons. And every week, he, he must have been paying his rent or something, because he'd go back the next week and he'd be going, moved upstairs to number 12 or something. He'd go upstairs, <laughs> go there the next week, and he wouldn't be there. He'd be moved to a different room altogether. So that's, I started getting lessons. I went there for a few years and he sent me on to another fella. He says, look, you know what you're doing, go to this other chap. So I went to Dundrum drum for a while. And then as I went through the grades, and I was about grade six, I got moved out to Glasnevin, went there for a few years. And then when I did all the grades, I said to the teacher, what do I do now? And he said, just go and play with bands or whatever, you know? So a couple of weeks later, then I started playing with bands, just in pubs and, you know, uh, events and all that sort of stuff. And did that for years and years, where I was kind of the keyboard player in different bands. And all the time I was kind of writing songs in the background. And uh, only to say the last 10 years or so, I've kind of gone out on my own where it's just me, you know, but for years I was playing in 
tribute bands, cover bands, wedding bands, party bands, playing in pubs, anywhere, you know, just yeah. anything to dodge, having a normal job, you know. Yeah, look. <laughs> and I'm... in the last couple of weeks, I've actually just got a day job the last six weeks there. I'm actually driving a van now for DPD, doing deliveries, parcel deliveries, you know, because I don't know when the next gig is going to be, the way things are. You know? Yeah, no, I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last job I remember, actually, you... I wouldn't say you were my boss, but I remember when I was very young and you're around the Tala area in Albon and you, you, you were like, for me, that was like a Del Boy move, what you were doing. You were, we were selling plastic bags door to door. Do you remember that? I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was getting, I was getting uh, something like 50, 50 cents for each one I sold. So I'd say, you go and I'll give you 20 for each one you sell, <laughs> 25 or whatever it was. And then had a few lads on the road doing it and they were all, they were all gone. I just, Order more. <laughs> Give the belt to all the kids in the road. Go on, you go and tell them. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't really call it a job. That kind of tired us over. I did things like that and I delivered the Echo and yeah. used to deliver eggs with me uncle and all. I was, yeah, as you say, Del Boy. I had a couple of little things like that on the go all the time. I, 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 uh, I remember you, like, you paid me, but all I wanted was like sweets. Cause like I think I remember like you pay me a few year a few pound or whatever and I'd go and buy like uh sour chewits and I'm like that was me, you know. So like, I was a very easy sell, you know. Once you had money for the ice cream van when you came around. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember like I was just thinking the other day, you remember like uh we used to have a uh, coming around this, the on the street we had the ice cream van, we had Reg the yeah. Veg, remember him? Yeah, yeah. We used to sell vegetables and, and like chocolate and all, all sorts of stuff. Like, yeah. Do you remember the? Do you remember there was such thing as a milkman? Do they still deliver milk to doors? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and really? there was a, a video, video man used to go around. You used to rent DVDs off as well. And then you had a shop up in Edgeby called Sneeds. Do you remember that? Up in Pineview, the little small little hut at the side of the oh, house. I think yeah, I do. Shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> But um, so yeah, you you've, you 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 you're taking a, a job on because at the moment you know like we, we there's a vaccine we have at the moment or or it's going go into production um and it's gonna there's gonna be a couple of million coming to Ireland so once we get yeah. the vaccine in and then people can go and socialize again go to pubs and and then live live gigs will come back and I'm sure looking forward to that. I think I think Ticketmaster are looking to do a thing where you have to prove that you're um COVID free and they're going to be running gigs then you know so if you can prove that you had a test or that you you haven't got COVID in the last while, then you have to prove that you don't have COVID in order to have access to the concerts they're going to be doing going forward, you know? That'd be hard to do because you could get COVID the day before the gig, you know what I mean? And, true, yeah. and, yeah. and testing takes, it could take about three days to get a test back, like, uh, you know, from the from the, from the HSC, for example, you know, so like if, if you have COVID a day before, you may have had it two days before that, you know, so... That's it's true. A, it's, yeah. it's a hard one to call. You know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose it's it's the kind of a they're looking at ways of trying to speed things up. You know, oh, I don't know. N- nobody expected the, the music industry to be, to be the way it was this year. You know, where everything just got cancelled. You no. know, everyone got, everyone got left behind wondering what they're what supposed to be doing with themselves. <laughs> when did you stop uh, gigging, like from lockdown? So when was your last like live? I think it was fifteenth of March or something like that, just before Paddy's Day. Okay, and then it came to a stop altogether. I actually did one uh, wedding there just before the second lockdown, about, about two or three weeks ago. Mm. They actually had a we- had a wedding where they, they they rolled in a Steinway piano for us and got me to play at the wedding. Yeah, 20, 25 guests were only allowed at it. You know, 
it's weird seeing all the, all the other suppliers, everyone in masks. When you were doing that yeah. gig, did they have like a bubble going on or something? Or or all the wedding party could sit together because they're part of the wedding party? Yeah, they, they did have social distancing, but there wasn't that many there, you know. But other than that, middle of March was the last one. Yeah, no, I was actually at a, I was at a comedy gig there in September. So yeah, it was the Wild Duck and it was a social distance comedy gig. It was quite, it was good. It was just, everyone was in their bubbles, you know, three, four, five, six people, but they couldn't like, they couldn't uh, branch out from that, you know, they had to stay in their, their groups, but it was good. It was different, I guess, because if you're going to a gig and you have a room that could have 500 people, you've only like 100 there. It's a bit, it's a bit different or, you know. That's it. Yeah. Well, the problem was the government said no live music or DJs. And they mm. didn't elaborate on what they meant. So although it wasn't even illegal to yeah. have entertainment, everyone just took it as uh, we can't have music. Yeah. We can't have live entertainment. So even even though it was actually legal to take place, if they if it was up to the, the discretion of the venue, you know, because they just used the the punchline, no live music or DJs, everyone just took it as uh sure that's the law now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that was good that you got to got to do at least one gig to see what it was like, you know, see if um, you know, if you were allowed to back to back to gig during this lockdown or whatever, then you have to like uh, approach it differently, you know what I mean? That's it, yeah. But uh like a lot of stuff that I was kind of booked to play at events and stuff like that just wiped out like yeah. The big, big, biggest waste of money was a, a 2020 diary, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about. You said you like you 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 went over. You talked about like your career so far, as in your music career, and and you know, but you you skipped over a few steps here. I want to go back and, and kind of learn like like your your training, you know, to be to to learn music because for me, like the musicians, I lo- love to see as the guys like on the streets, the buskers. Those that's where you hone your 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 talent. But to, to learn the skills, you know, like what music is and what, what the science of music is. Like, where, where did you start, start out learning music? Well, that's what I was saying. I started when I was seven. I got, got piano and keyboard lessons and okay. uh, learned how to read all the, the notes, you know, and yeah. kind of played with two hands and all that sort of stuff. And then as as I progressed over time, like uh, I, when I finished school, I actually went and did three music courses, you know, and uh, I worked in a couple of music shops, just anything to just keep me in involved in music yeah um, and then after that like like the, the, the three music courses that i did were kind of developing you know uh how things are gonna be how to put on live gigs you know even kind of selling tickets and you know booking a venue and all that sort of stuff kind of learned a lot of stuff through college doing doing that way and then just from experience playing with bands and you know actually going out and opening up for acts and playing in talent competitions uh you know even even in school i was playing there was like fashion shows on and you know at the end of say sixth year we did a, a big gig in front of the whole school you know i just played anywhere and everywhere that i could get a gig yeah you know and i even, I even did a bit of busking me and another fella for a while there you know made a few quid as well so yeah just i just over time just kept trying everything and anything to keep me involved in music and uh i found ways to f- make money out of it like i even taught piano for a few years as well from my house yeah, Mondays, Thursdays for, for a couple of years as well. So got obsessed with music and just found a way to do it, trying to fight the odds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, which kind of would lead into you know your 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 singles and your your album, Genetic Lottery. Like, what's the idea behind Genetic Lottery? 
Well, kind of, I always wanted to um, record now my songs that I wrote myself. And when I was in school, like in secondary school, there was a lot of subjects I didn't have an interest in. Mm. I found myself writing lyrics and writing kind of ideas for songs. In the copies that I had, the back of the copy, I'd be writing in the covers and all, different lyrics, and I'd be kind of looking back on, I could use that lyric for a song there. But I always thought I'd love to put together an album of stuff, songs where I wrote all the songs. And for years, I always said, Genetic Lottery, that'd be a great name for an album. It's kind of like, you know, like something that you're born to do. You know, um, other people perceive that name differently. Like uh, there's a phrase, like if, if, if a model is beautiful, she's won the Genetic Lottery. You know, so she's going to make loads of money from her good looks or whatever. But that wasn't what, what, I, was, uh, what I was thinking of. It was kind of like, uh, you know, you could be born, you could have black hair, brown hair, green eyes, blue eyes. You know, everyone is made differently. The genetic lottery that I was thinking of, it was kind of another way of saying born to do it, if you know what I mean. But uh, lottery was kind of potluck. You know, you could be born to play music, could be born to be a painter. You could, you know, it could be different people. Have, made up with different uh, things that they're going to do in life, you know. So that's kind of where the, the name came from for, for me. And the songs were built over time. Like, I had, I had loads and loads of songs, but I, from going out and doing gigs where I was singing my own songs, kind of picked the ones that got the best reaction live and went and recorded them, you know. See, whenever I go, the thing is, I'm sure a lot of people do this, when, when you go to a, whenever I go to um like a, a gig, I was in a gig in Thomas House there over on uh, Thomas Street there two years ago, I think it was. And yeah. you're listening to an art, an artist on stage, okay? There's lots of different bands. There's a battle of bands on, and you're trying to find like their their influences, what they sound like, and it's easy to pigeonhole people. When I, when I listened to your songs, I couldn't quite figure out what your influences were. You know, I was, yeah. I was, I was kind of going, oh, he sounds he sounds a bit like a Jeff Buckley, or he sounds like a, you know, uh, maybe some Oasis in there, or or you know, and but I couldn't like because you're a piano player, I, I couldn't really find a you know, a Billy Joel kind of feel there. You're kind of, it's very hard to, to, to figure out or pigeonhole you. That's a good thing because it's easy to yeah. say someone sounds like that. So with that in mind, what are your influences? Like what 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 uh, music, uh, musicians influence your your style? Yeah, well, you said Oasis there, they would be a big, a big influence, you know, like when I was kind of, say, 13, 14, 15, around that age. Yeah. Like these lads just appeared and they were like, oh, we're just normal people from the, housing estate in Manchester and you know I was like well if they can do it you know anyone can do it yeah, <laughs> now, yeah. for years and years like I don't just like one type of music I like loads of different types of music and uh, I'd be a big fan of like uh, strong melodies so it could be a pop song could be a rock song could be classic rock song could be you know like I like loads of different styles of music so that's kind of where I have a big set of influences like I wouldn't be just kind of only liking one type of music mm. But uh, say at the end of the day, sound there. Uh, actually, wrote that in Iron Apple there years ago. You know, um, as the sun shines bright, everyone is happy. This is the place we should have been a long, long time ago. That's the lyrics in the second verse. So uh, you know, a lot of the time I'd be just kind of doing my thing, and songs would kind of fall out of the sky. You know, and the next thing I know, I'd have another song. You know, I'd never sit down with the intention of writing today. I'm gonna write a song. You know, I could be trying to work out someone, some a famous song. And I go, oh, wouldn't it be nice if you changed that chord to that chord? And then I go off on a, a, ta- a tangent and I then the brightness of the sound. That sounds nothing like the sound I was trying to work out, you know. But uh, influence-wise, like, I remember years ago when I was, I was in Auburn for uh, secondary school there. I used yeah. to get the bus in the town and go into Walton's and buy sheet music and stuff. And while I'd be in there, I'd kind of say, 
I might go over to the library there in the ILAC Centre and get out CDs or books or whatever. And I remember I got this book and it was like the greatest piano players of all time. And it was like, I say you had like, as I say, Billy Joel, Elton John, Stevie Wonder, um, you know, a couple of people that were like um, Bruce Hornsby and all. And I was kind of delving into Ray Charles and I kind of seeing who these people were mm. and then trying to find out who their influences were. Yeah. Kind of hunting them down and learning more about them and that type of stuff. So influence-wise, it could have, could be any style, any player. And like kind of later on, I kind of started playing guitar. So a lot of the songs that I've written would have been written on guitar as well. So I'd have both instruments as well. So it's, it's hard to say where, where the influences come. Like some people go, oh, you know, you sound like Robbie Williams. And I go, Robbie Williams? Didn't, didn't see yeah. that before. Or someone yeah. else might you sound like Richard Ashcroft. So, you know, if I have a guitar, if I have a piano, I sound like all them piano players, then I get told that I sound like them piano players that I mentioned. But uh, I don't hear some of the, the uh, connections myself, but different people draw different uh, influences that they think I sound like. Yeah, you know what I mean? now the thing is, um, when I was thinking about like your album and and your singles, mm. when you when you go when you go to record, that's that that's the thing I've always been very curious about because I've never been part of of a, a music group or I've always been curious about like the whole the whole process, the creative process behind. You know, you have the lyrics now; it's about making music. Like, how did you go about making the the music for these lyrics? Yeah, well, a lot of the time I'd kind of hear the whole song in my head and I'd know where I want the drums to sound. I'd know where I want the bass to sound. I'd know some of the electric guitar parts that, say, I wouldn't even be able to play myself. So I found a producer up the north. He's actually an amazing guitar player and plays loads of different instruments. And he was actually the guitar player for the Voice of Ireland. You know, if someone was on the Voice of Ireland, he was the guitar player in the backing band. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there might have been two guitar players, but he was one of them, you know. So, but uh, just a really musical fella. And I went to him and said, Look, this is the way I have to sound. And I'd say, Play it with just piano or guitar. And then I'd tell him, This is what I'm looking for. You know, I could nearly put down piano vocal and then start singing parts over. And then he'd find the notes on the guitar and then go, Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, right. And then he'd record that. And he'd have friends then that play drums and bass and stuff and we just hire them in individually and I'd nearly tell them this is what I'm looking for and you know they'd be professional so they'd know exactly what, what to do so that's how I kind of built the whole sound like some of the songs he even played the bass so he'd play the bass and he played the electric guitar I'd play the piano I'd play the acoustic guitar and I'd do the singing and then we'd just get someone to play the drums and we'd have a full band sound just with the three of us so a lot of the time I'd have the idea for the song and I just tell the musician, "This is what I'm looking for," and the sounds would be built up that way. Because your album is is you're a solo artist. It's mm. different from a band. Because if you go into like a recording studio with a band that that know each other's you know strengths and weaknesses, was there was that a challenge for you to go in with guys you don't really know, you haven't like toured with, or you haven't like gigged with like, extensively? And uh, not really, because the the fellas that I used. You tell them what to do and they do it exactly yeah. the way you want it. You know, they're just so used to playing what's required. You know, if you say, that's not what I'm looking for, I'm looking for, like, say, for instance, one of the songs there, it's uh, called Everything's Not Lost. I was saying to them, there's a drum beat that's in Ticket to Ride by the Beatles. Kind of have that in mind, but there's another song, Wake Me Up When September Ends. 
by Green Day. So if you listen to the, the style of drumming in the two of them songs and try and incorporate that style of drumming into this song, and then he knew exactly what I was looking for. He had to listen to Wake Me Up When September Ends on his phone. He went, right, I'm going to go in and do a take. I know, I know what you're looking for. Okay. And it was exactly, and it was exactly what I was looking for then. Exactly, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. That's that's why I was listening to, listening to your album. I was like, it sounds like, and then it just moves into another part. Like, it doesn't sound like, you're confused me because you, yeah. you obviously mixed, you, you put a lot of, there's a lot of different, uh, as I say, a Green Day or whatever. There's a bit of influence there, but there's something else there as well. But yeah, it's very hard for the listener to kind of figure out, he sounds like this, he sounds like that. We're not quite Yeah, sure. a lot of the album is kind of indie rock. Yeah. You know, even the kind of slower kind of ballady stuff would have electric guitar solos and stuff. So there was a guitar solo that, I had in mind, I said, I have a listen to the guitar solo in Torn by Natalie and Brilia, and have a listen to the solo in Angels by Robbie Williams. Okay. And play it with a slide guitar the way, the way that's done. So he was like, right, I know what you're looking for. And then I was singing a few notes then, like, and he'd play them notes then. Like, we think about recording is, if you don't get it, you can go, I'll play it again, and then I could sing it and say, Kind of, kind of want it more like this, and then you can kind of refine it until they get exactly what you want, you know. Like I'd have a lot of parts in my head, like little kind of hooks and intros and solos and riffs and all. So before I go and record a song, I'd know exactly what I was looking for, which would make it a hell of a lot faster and you know a lot more detailed as to you know you'd get you'd be able to work faster and the, the songs don't end up sounding different to the way that you wanted it. So sometimes they, they do, and sometimes they sound better. You know, they go, well, what if we did this as well? And you go, never thought in a million years that worked. But, you know, like that, that song was telling about everything's not lost. I actually had a guitar intro in mind. And he said, what if we get a violin player in to play strings? And I was like, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting a violin player in to play strings on another song. So he says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll just get her to play a few parts. And if we don't like it, I'll scrap it. Yeah. And then it ended up sounding real kind of James Bond. And, uh, then I couldn't imagine the song without them strings at the start of the song and I end up staying in. So a lot of the time it's kind of trial and error or we, we'll see how it works. If it doesn't work, we'll get rid of it and we'll go back to the guitar idea. Okay, so you have you have the song you want, you like and and you've recorded it and it's a single now. Who do you, who's your first person you, you, you let listen to? Is it, is it your your wife? Is it, is, it, is it your family? Is it your friends? Or is you just put it out there and, 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 and hope the public will appreciate all that went into it. Um, well, I, I kind of, I'd have a kind of a quality control thing myself where I'd go, if it's not good enough, it's not going out. You know? <laughs> okay. But, uh, so sometimes I'd play for a few friends, or you know, as as you say, play for herself, or yeah, even for the kids and say, what do you think of that, you know, and and, and take it from there. But uh, you kind of know yourself when you have a song finished, if it's up to the standard that you want it to be or not, you know. So. I kind of trust me, trust me on judgment as well. That's good because it's easy to, it's easy to second guess your second guess yourself, and you might second guess yourself out of a song that that's worthy of of, of you know being out in the public and people judging it and, and reviewing. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think that your musical experience of being in bands and being a solo artist has helped you improve your musical tastes you know and and, how, and hone your your skills as a musician or a songwriter yeah definitely yeah like for years like as i said i was playing in cover bands and tribute bands 
So my job as a keyboard player was to work out all the little kind of hooks and parts that were coming in and just even trying to arrange the songs the way they go. Like you might have an intro, a verse, a link section, like a bridge section, then a chorus. And you, you kind of the way the songs were structured, you could see like that, that song was a hit song and that's the way it was built up. And I had a little solo in the middle and then I had a double chorus at the end and I had an outro. Like a lot of the songs would follow the same formula. But by working out all the different parts, even saying different keyboard sounds and mixing stuff together and all, you know, when you go to record stuff yourself, then it gives you ideas for filling out little sections where there's no singing or, you know, as I was saying, like, ah, oh, kind of, the drums out of this song or the guitar out of that song because I, I, I would have played them with bands and seen people react like, oh, I love this song. So I'd be like, right, I'll, I'll use a similar idea in my own songs. Mm. You know, so it has helped for that reason, you know, knowing how to put together songs and how to structure them and what kind of music to put into them and where to put a solo. And, you know, if, if, if you're looking to get played on the radio and you've spent years playing songs from the radio, you know, it'll help you with structures and how to put the sound together yourself. Yeah. So it definitely has helped. Also, yeah, because like even like the the the, the you know the highest paid executive producers in the world, yeah, you could become you could like yeah they they can produce lots of great music, but they can also produce music that's probably more popular culture and and maybe not what you want. You know, it's easy to fall like if you if you are to work with one of these producers, for example these guys will probably try to push you in a certain direction. You know, they want you to be more popular and, and, and maybe that's not what you want. You want to be more original and you don't want to be like, you, you like a bag of money, but you also want to stick to your original, uh, your your original kind of uh, motives for why you became a musician, you know? Yeah, well, the thing about like uh, the way record companies do things, they're trying to sound current. And they're trying to, like everyone's trying to sound like watermelon sugar now, like, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or like you know like a lot of the sound that they want this the current sound to sound like the last sound and the next sound to sound like the, the current sound so there is a lot of that like certain drum beats and all that are being used they're not being used by accident you know it's, it's all kind of if we want to get played on that station we have to sound like the music that's on that station whereas if you're just recording your songs yourself you can you have to create freedom to stay now I want to go this way with it. Don't have to have a current sound and drum beat. I don't have to have someone rapping in the middle of it or whatever. You know, you can yeah. arrange it the way you want to do it yourself. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you say about rap. There was a time, like, was it maybe this year actually, or maybe last year? Like in the top ten in in Ireland was probably like rap kind of or kind of R and B. It was like it's, it's just the way the world is going. It's just like we're they're moving towards that kind of style of music. But there is. The mainstream and the indie uh, market as well. That's that's for me. I love rock and roll. I love indie. Like I've, I've yeah. remember my my first kind of. I remember going to see the Chili's back in uh, two thousand and four. Was it two thousand four in Slane? No, sorry, it wasn't. It was yeah, two thousand three in Slane. Yeah, great band. Yeah, yeah, what a great band, great live band. And um, this is what you want. You know, you don't want as you say watermelon sugar. You don't want that kind of like you know. <laughs> But even the, even the hooks that were in their songs and like even the bass playing the drumming and all yeah serious musicianship you know electric guitars and all that yeah brilliant brilliant band you know yeah yeah true and they also went through their the hardships as well you know because you know sometimes rock and roll can be a bit too too rock and roll you know what i mean that's it that's it it's <laughs> crazy crazy like <life>, yeah. <laughs> 
I, I, I don't think, are you, are you very rock and roll, Keith? Do you, uh, have, have you burnt the candle at both ends at, at, at times? In uh, your at times, yeah. Had <laughs> <laughs> to calm down the last few years, you know? Yeah. So you have, you have, what, what age are your kids now? Because I, I met, last time I spoke to you, was I was over in the square and I, I just, I just come off a contract working on the, on the cruise ships and we were talking about gigs and, and you were talking about like traveling and, the reason I'm asking you about, about the kids, and you don't talk too much about your kids if you don't want to, but I was talking about the fact that you were saying all the traveling you do and, you know, yeah. family. But recently I was listening to uh, your man, Matthew McConaughey. You know him, the, the art, the, yeah. the actor, yeah. movie guy, actor, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, he was saying that his wife lets him go away for on excursions to find himself for 12 days at a time. Would your wife <laughs> like that? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a great yeah. wife, you know? Yeah, so, so we have a 15 year old and an 11 year old here, so yeah, we have our hands full. So I wouldn't be just leaving ourselves on our own, and then we have a puppy as well. So you know, that'd be more, more than one person in business, you know. <laughs> <laughs> are you, um, are you pushing them into uh, do you like them to be, to be musical that you to play keyboard, guitar, or anything like that? Ah, uh, the young lad is he's mad into the PlayStation, you know. Has a PS5, PS5 ordered. It's going to be kicking there next week. But uh, the, the little one now, she's singing and dancing mad, you know, TikTok, yeah. quick and snappy. And you have, yeah. to have your, you have to have your dance videos down for TikTok, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one thing I'm not going to have two left feet. I, when I, when you, if you ask me to dance, I, I run away. I cannot dance to save my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty much the same myself, you know. I have, I have the rhythm, but the dance doesn't doesn't go with it. Yeah, the brain doesn't doesn't connect with the legs. Like, oh my god, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Now you've performed with lots of lots of Dublin's, uh, you know, cult acts. But one of the, one of the one of the acts I, I I love and and you've I'm sure you've loved performing with them is Aslan. Now tell me about the first time you actually gig with them. Where was it, and how did you feel when you got the opportunity to gig with these guys? Yeah, well, I was actually playing one night before Picture House, you know, the Irish band Picture House. Yeah. And uh, a fella came up to me and he says, oh, How's it going? That was great. I played with the music himself. Paul is my name. I actually opened for Aslan, you know. And I was like, All right, cool. And he goes, Here, take Billy's number and give him a ring and see if he'll give you a couple of support slots. Now, this is a good few years ago. And uh, so the next day, I was like, I wonder is this number right, you know? So I got on to another friend of mine who had a number from him. I said, Can you send me on his number there? And he sent it on to me. And it was the same one. So then I, I rang him and says, How's it going? I says, I'm looking to do a couple of sports slots and uh, just looking to see if you have that in there. So the first one was actually in a place in Bray. And uh, I'd only kind of start trying to play guitar with the sounds that I'd written. So the first gig that I did with him it was actually in the, it was in Bray and I wasn't even confident enough to stand up with the guitar. So I was sitting on a high stool playing the guitar. It was actually great, you know, it was a good crowd there and great response. And then they were like, here, do you want to do this one? Do you want to do that one? And, you know, far along then I was in playing the Cork Opera House before them sold out, you know, and I was like, this is crazy. Like that was the night that your man won the X Factor, um, Shane Ward, was that his name? Yeah. The night that he won the X Factor, I was actually playing for Aslan there, down in Cork in the Opera House, you know, because I remember c- coming out there and then there was all people going, ah, oh, Shane Ward won X Factor. And I was like, who <laughs> I found out after who he was. I wasn't actually uh, paying attention to what was going on, but that was the same night. And then after that, I kind of played for him in Galway and Wicklow and Wexford and all over Ireland. 
had a great live band. And the last one I did was in the old Mail and Tell at the time they were there, down the corner from where we grew up, you know. So, uh, and that was sold out as well. So, this has been great playing before then, but as I said, there's no, no gigs happening now. That's yeah. why see what happens in the new year. What, uh, did you get to talk to them and hang out with them or? Oh, yeah, I've seen I've seen them all kind of backstage and that, you know, and the, yeah. the last, the last time I was at, a, I was at one of their gigs in, in Galway, they were playing at this big festival in, um, I can't even remember what the name was, big outdoor festival, like you had, there was an Oasis tribute, a David Bowie tribute, okay. Aslan were on and UB40 were headlining. Oh, nice. So I was actually staying over in Galway and says, look, if you're going for drinks later, let me know. So I ended up in a, in, in a, in a lock-in with them. That's good, yeah. Maybe yeah. that that's why they probably picked you because they just seeing ah look, he's 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 one of us, you know, he's he's, he's just doing his thing and we want we want to give, you know, uh, up and coming acts a shot. You know, they everyone thinks of Dublin and YouTube, Aslan are really like the 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 hardy Dublin band that everyone loves. Yeah, but they, they've had a reputation. Yeah, I've had a reputation for years of being the hardest working band, you know. Were, yeah, it was a stage where they're playing every single night of the week in different pubs up and down the whole country, you know. So they, they've they've worked hard to, to get where they are, yeah, you know. And they've great, great sounds, really, really great sounds. So. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I, I love Aslan. I see it last time I seen Aslan, I think it was in the Blue Bar. It was well, it used to be called the Blue Bar, you know, over Side Square, yeah, prior, I think it's called Prior's Gate, yeah, beside the square, yeah. Yeah, that was at a, a college social. Now, lockdown. So lockdown has been a long lockdown for you and me as well, because I work in, in tourism. Have you learned any skills or have you had any realizations about yourself during lockdown? Right. Yeah. Uh, started the lockdown, I couldn't come to terms with the fact that I couldn't play live. Yeah. You know, so what I started doing was I started going live on Facebook for a while. Every Friday at eight o'clock, I was doing, I, I, I did it for a couple of months up until September, since from March straight through to September. It was good crack, you know, people come on and kind of put in requests and stuff, and I do the requests. So uh, that, that was good. And then I had a couple of ideas for songs, so I started trying to figure out how to record myself using a laptop. So I started getting into that a bit and put down a few demos, and then before I knew it, then I ended up having a job. Yeah, I just, I just realised how, uh, how much I used to just play live everywhere, and then all of a sudden, it all came to a halt. I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that that was it, really. Yeah, that's what it brings us up to now. Just kind of doing the online as much as possible, and just kind of keeping keeping your name out there, and kind of like making sure you're still relevant with the with the changing. Well, yeah, and I actually I actually released that um, sacrifices hmm. at the end at the end of August, and that I actually wrote that before. COVID came along and lyrically everything in it, it kind of made sense to me after then, you know? Yeah. To do what you love, you got to make, uh, you got to make sacrifice. You have to give up everything you need to survive. It's money you want, you're going to have to find yourself a job. I end up yeah. finding a job. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to find a job to support your, 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 your passion and then your passion becomes your job. And then you're... that's it. As I say, you never work a day. That's a cliche. You'll never work a day in your life if you if you have a job that you love. But at the moment, it's Christmas time, so you're working in deliveries. So, you know, you're busy. So you know, yeah, very busy. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a case of everybody's ordering online as well. And I just can't get to the shops. Yeah. So I I turn up at the depot with the van then, and 
like full to the roof, no about 100 parcels a day going to different houses, you know, dropping off stuff. So it's, it's a different world altogether. So well, I'd be used to, but uh, I haven't been let go yet, so it must be happy <laughs> As long as a whole load of parcels don't end up over and killing the man, you're okay, okay? <laughs> yeah. Now, um, so what advice would you give a, a musician for starting out? Okay, I, I, let's say let's say everything is good uh, in the new year. What advice would you give to someone who's starting out as a musician from when you were starting out, for example? Well, it's another cliche is, uh, you know, you don't find music, music finds you and you end up with this burning desire to do it that yeah. nothing's going to stop you. You know, I, I kind of had that, like, as, as I was saying, I used to play anywhere and everywhere and still kind of do if I can. But uh, just if, if you are... It's 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 a hard road, you know. If, mm. if, if it's if it's if it's something that you're looking to make money at, you know, you may as well just get another job, and then, as you say, use the money from the job to support your passion. Where I was kind of like, I don't need a job. Mm. I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing, and it's gonna work out, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for the, for the most part, until I was told I couldn't perform, it, it was working out. But advice for people: just enjoy what you're doing. You know, if you don't enjoy it, you're doing it wrong. You know, yeah. that's something i heard someone else say I used to, you know, <laughs> music isn't fun you're doing it wrong you know but uh you know kind of figure out in your own mind what success means to you and then try and work towards that rather than like a lot of people that get into music nowadays think oh, i want to be famous i want to be on x factor i want to be on the voice uk or whatever it is you know if you're looking to be famous from something like that the chances are very minimal kind of figure out what success means to you before you get into it and then yeah. you won't be too disappointed then if it doesn't happen now i'd say the one of the reasons is well there's many reasons why you are you know you are still hard at it up until lockdown as i think getting gigs and, and, and doing your passion is because you know because you're you're adaptable you're versatile but but i want to know one thing one word you want an audience to feel when when you come off stage or, or from a gig what what emotion do you, do you want the audience to have for you? Well, it's 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 it's, it's kind of a self indulgent thing for me. It's kind of marble <laughs> how I feel when I go up there. But you know, if, if people like what I do, you know, it's it's, it's a bonus. You know, but yeah. uh, you know, I try not to bore people to death if I, if I can. You know, if I'm playing my own songs, I always try and throw in at least one cover, so people get a feel for you know. If they don't know all the songs, if they've never heard them before, mm. they might be able to play like a hit song that they might recognize, and you're, you're kind of a step closer to being liked, then you know. Yeah, say someone could hire me to play in a restaurant, yeah, that it could be a hotel or a restaurant or a bar or something where you're actually background entertainment, so you're not there to go, Yeah, everybody get up and dance, you know. It's, yeah, it's kind of keep the volume down low and be in the corner so people can still talk to each other. Yeah. But you're still there. They are listening, but they're not fully engaged in what you're doing. So you just kind of have to adapt to the type of gig that you're doing. Because mm. sometimes they're not there to see you. They're there for food or drinks or whatever. And a lot of the time people have their back to you or something because they'd be facing each other or whatever, you know. So yeah. if you're back there in entertainment, you have to know when to be... The type of uh, person that you're supposed to be to, to adapt to the, yeah. the setting that you're in, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't be like, hey guys, let's have that steak. <laughs> you just like jam it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
some some places are like that though. You know, are they? They, they want they want to be sing along thing. Yeah. You know? So it it just depends on the gig and where you are. You know, I've played in some places where it's kind of after twelve o'clock at night and you know people are there drunk and you know you start the song and your job is to get them to sing along. You know, so oh, okay, it, yeah. It just depends. You have to know what when to suit the different environment. Mm. Now when to turn up louder and turn down lower. Yeah. When to be in the background and when to be in the forefront, and you know, there are things that you learn over time as you as you just keep putting yourself in front of people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the experience is 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 key, really. You know, like different experiences. Like you might have a gig that you you find they didn't react well to me because maybe that it wasn't a gig too to put your all your energy in there is probably just to assume the role that's it well some of the some of the gigs that you go to like you're talking about comedy clubs and stuff like yeah that. when i was starting off writing songs stuff i would have done a lot of singer somewhere and like where you'd go and you'd probably get two or three songs type thing mm-hmm. and there could be no one there you know but even those type of gigs are uh, good for learning like um if you can if you can play to a few people just or people that are talking louder than you you know all that type of stuff over the years, builds up your um, confidence in being able to deal with any situations you could be put into. You know, like you could be in a place that's packed mm. and you're, you're screaming, but you can't be heard. Mm-hmm. You know, so playing as, as many gigs and playing as many places that you can play, that's that's where the experience comes. Like you were saying, what advice would I give people starting out? Just try and play live everywhere, you know? Like uh, people say to me, do you get nervous? A lot of the time I wouldn't, you know, because been there before i've done that those type of gigs you know like i've done gigs where there's two and three thousand people in the crowd and they wouldn't phase me because i've done them so many times that mm. you know i find if you're in a place where there's only six people and they're all staring at you it'd be harder to play to that type of crowd than a couple of thousand <laughs> yeah 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 years ago i was in edinburgh i was, I was doing some stand-up comedy and like you get up yeah. on stage and you're probably on stage and the football's on above your head and they don't want yeah. to watch you. They want to watch the football. So they turn the mute, the, the volume down the football and you're on stage. And they're like, okay, there must be a, a valid reason why you're on stage and th- my match is on and, you, and you're not letting me actually listen to the match, you know? So like, you kind of have to just be, you just, you have to, it, it's kind of grow thick skin in a way because. Yeah, you have to be bold and brave and yeah. just go there even though you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, you know? yeah, true. Sometimes that's part of the fun as well, you know. Sometimes people would say something that you weren't expecting and you kind of have to figure a way to deal with it, you know, yeah. especially, especially, especially with comedy. Heckles, yeah, <laughs> hecklers. They think they're the acts. They just go, oh yeah, and you're like, they they can they they can bowl you over a little bit if if you're not if you ha- if you haven't got that like uh, readiness, you know, if you're not ready for the the rumble, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watched I watched the thing on YouTube there recently. It was a uh, Brandon O'Carroll before he was actually Mr. Brown. I can't remember. I think it might have been How's Your Wobbly Bits or How's Your Jolly Roger or something like that. But there was a lot of people shouting stuff at him. And someone shouted at him, you baldy bastard. And he goes, I might be a baldy bastard, but I'm a baldy bastard, but you're a tenor. And the whole thing. <laughs> that was brilliant. Real quick. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that, that's the type of humor that I like, you know, real quick, real yeah. fast. Yeah, me mm. too. I do, I do like Brendan O'Carroll. I think, again, he's someone who's been hard at it for 20 years with Mrs. Brown. And, you know, it took a long time to get to where he was. He was doing all the stage stuff. And then he got the BBC came along and gave him, you know, gave him that stage. And he's won awards and he's done everything. But again, working class roots and just just, just a good work ethic. And and again, he, he's, he's sure of himself. You know, he knows what he wants. He knows what 
what's funny and he knows what will work. And that took, took, yeah. that takes time to that's it. And he kind of has a look has a look around at the people that are around him and kind of adapts those characters into what he's doing. That's kind yeah. of how the Mrs. Brown thing came about as well, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just being good at finding stuff that's funny and actually translating that to other people, you know. Yeah. And a lot of stuff kind of day to day stuff that you'd hear every day, but you wouldn't remember it enough to repeat it. Whereas he, he's he's clever enough to remember it all. Yeah. You know, but some some of the jokes that he had back then, you you wouldn't get away with them nowadays. You know. No, no, no. <laughs> you'd be you'd be cancelled. You'd be totally cancelled. You wouldn't have a career. More of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. All right, Keith, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. Um, I, I was gonna ask what future plans are, but I guess you're just gonna work for the time being, and then when you get the all clear, you're just gonna you get, get get back out there and and, and gig as much as possible and, and continue your, yeah, your love for we'll see, your. We'll see what happens if if they want me to stay on delivering parcels after Christmas. I might try and do both mm. until the music comes back fully, you know, because yeah, could be a case of another lockdown then, and then I have to go looking for another job. But if I can kind of keep the job going while I'm doing gigs, you know, I can. I won't be snoopered again. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Everything closes up. But just to plan for the future, just keep playing music, keep writing music, keep recording songs and putting it out. And like, if, if a few people like it, that's job done for me, you know? Yeah. Now, I'm definitely going gonna, gonna to follow you now on Spotify and uh, yeah. we'll get people listening to Keith and, we're, and, we're, and uh, we'll, 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 we'll share the love a bit, okay? Great stuff. All right, man. All right, man. You, yeah, you too. You take it easy, yeah? Say hello to everyone first. I will indeed, yeah. All right, take it easy, man. I'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So yes, that was Keith O'Connell. Again, he is from Tala. He, he's an award-winning musician, singer-songwriter, and we had a lovely chat there just about many different things about his career, about life, challenges he's faced, many things he talked about. And I hope you enjoyed this episode, guys. This is episode 28. And there is 27 other episodes. If you want to go and listen to the previous episodes, please feel free. And remember, guys, you're always welcome here in Heartlines. Take it easy. 